You're listening to the Label Machine series, a podcast to inspire and help indie record labels and artists to build income streams for their music. I'm Nick Sadler, a music entrepreneur that has helped start and run multiple indie record labels. In this series, I'll be speaking with music industry leaders about their experience and the lessons they learn on how they both market and grow their music income. Welcome to the Label Machine series where we discuss with successful industry professionals how artists and record labels market and sell their music. My name is Nick Sadler and today's guest is Soren Mensberg. Soren is an artist manager at Sierra 79 and a booking agent and promoter at Third Tsunami Agency, an independent booking agency focusing on talent development, tours and concerts in Denmark and international artists throughout Scandinavia. His roster includes, amongst others, Liberty, Haynes, Alba and the trap sensation that is Snavs. Soren, how are you today? I'm good, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for a lovely introduction. Introduction, sorry. <laughs> I've done my research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. So, uh, very quick question. Do you say snavs or snaves? Yeah, it depends uh, in, in, in where we are in the world. So, in, in Russia, they say snavs, and uh, in China, they say something different. And in, in Denmark, we say snaus. Snaus. Yeah. And what do, what do they say in the US? I think they're... Snavs? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But you said it the... All right, yeah. Snavs, the snavs. So um, let's start at the beginning. How did you get started in the music industry? How did you get into it to, to where you are now? Um, my... Uh, yeah, uh, basically I was unemployed and I was bored and uh, I uh, met a friend who ma- were managing a band and the band were were going on tour and they needed a driver and uh, I had a driving license. So I, 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 uh, I, were, I were the band's driver for um, I think a year or something and uh, that band toured in Denmark and in, in Germany and and after a year where I was just driving and, and kind of became a tour manager, uh, keeping track of things. Um, I started to 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 learn all, all the venues in Denmark and, and I met all the venue bookers and after a year I, I talked to to my friend who was the manager of the band and, and just said, hey, I, I know all the venues. I know all the venue bookers. Why, why, why are Live Nation taking uh, 70%, uh, 17% of the, of the money if we can do it ourselves? So uh, we fired Live Nation and <laughs> started, started uh, our own agency, basically. Um, or we didn't knew it was an agency, but it became an agency and we took on more bands and suddenly I was a booking agent. Um, it wasn't planned. I, I yeah, that was just a, a coincidence, I, I guess. And uh, um, it one of our artists suddenly had a massive. No, she she featured uh, the biggest rapper in 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 Denmark at that point because she was drunk in a in a studio and. He needed a, a girl to uh, to sing the the, um, the hook, uh, so she j- just did that, and it, she did it that good. So they they kept that on the on the final master. So she was featuring uh, on a, a a song that became a massive hit in in Denmark, and uh, she became a rising star. And we uh, had uh, success with uh, that girl, and uh, our booking agency uh, just grew and um, yeah that was my way in oh so um yeah a couple of uh i guess not ex- i guess happy accidents really yeah, to getting to that point i mean it's it's the it's funny you say i was sort of unemployed and then i started helping out of bands that's not an uncommon story when people start out they're like why well, i just started helping out a band and then it grew from one thing to another yeah. Um, but you know, that's, um, 
It's that's a bit of a, a, a that's very good foresight as well, and a bit of an entrepreneurial flair to notice that hey, Live Nation's taking all this, we could do it ourselves, and making that jump. Um, yeah, so it was also, I mean, I'm not uh, bad mouthing Live Nation, but if you're a small band and a, a massive agency with a, a really long uh, roster. Um, Sometimes you need to be uh, the the um, yeah be a name on a small roster to be uh, prioritized and 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 get the focus you you need to to yeah. uh, to uh, develop and and uh, yeah that was that was it. So that's so that that sort of leads on to my next questions, which is uh, now you're now you've set up. What are some of the main activities that you do at uh, third tsunami around you know doing the artist development etc from a point of view of bringing on a artist that you've just signed into the roster uh, what what the activities are or how, yes. how you develop the artist yeah so you do talent development you do tours yeah, and concerts so yeah what what's what i guess yeah what is the uh, what's the rundown of the main company's activities yeah yeah um, i mean in, in third tsunami i'm a booking agent so I, I put on shows and and, and tours and, and and make sure they they play live shows the artists and, and in in uh, share 79 it we're doing management so that's more of a um yeah uh, developing and and uh, de basically developing the the artists business businesses so so they earn some money and and we earn some money um but it all—it's all tied together, I guess. So, so when I put on a band on on my roster, and I'm the band's booking agent, I'm of course I'm I'm advising them to, um, yeah, if if they get a a deal from a label, I'll, I'll put on my comments on on what they should do, and uh, it's it also uh, i mean that the the strategy and when to release music and when to tour and and it's it's all uh, it, it needs to be uh, tied up and and it needs to be in a in a the strategy you need to have a bigger picture right so so um of course i'm i'm also um talking to the bands about all that and helping them out mm -hmm. as much as i can because I, I I work for the longer perspective always. I, I I'm not just putting on a band on my roster to just make shows and, and not really care about if they release music and and what they release and uh, and only focusing on just making shows. I'm, I'm I mean some some agents are, are doing that and they're really good at it and the only thing they're their um, target is to to get the highest fee for the shows. That's also my target. But my target is also when do they play? What stage on that festival? Um, what time? What are the bill? Where are they put on the on the poster? Uh, are they a hundred percent billing or are they thirty percent billing? What what all these details are super important um, in in the bigger picture. So it's it's really about you. You are taking a bird's eye view on an artist's career across the important aspects, which is releasing music, developing their career, and getting shows. Yeah, and that ties in. So, and with it, the, it really in these days where where it's so difficult to tour. Um, I, I've been talking to a lot of label people, uh, major labels and indie labels, and they all have the same problem. It's super difficult for them to promote new music because there's no live shows. It's really, it's, it's really been cl clear to me how important it is for the labels that the bands are touring. It, 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 the, the releases and the touring that's, if you don't have both, it's really difficult. You need both because it's, it's, um, you can't just release music and then 
hope for a Spotify playlist to pick it up. You need to be touring to to build it up and and connect with the audience and connect with your fans and and promote the the records. So how how much of it do you think though is the that people are coming to the shows and that's fueling the the growth of that. I guess in a band so so much, but let's say you're more of a, maybe with electronic music, say, or you're more of a producer yeah. type environment. I mean, are people still not be discovering your music online and liking it on Spotify playlists, or is it? Are you saying that it really is essential to get out there and play live to to really take it to the next level? Yeah, for for Snaps, um, he he released an uh, an album in September, and. Uh, Great album. I, I think it's the best work he's ever done. But I can just see that not being out in the world playing it live. It it it's um, it's just a. It's how, how much of it though it, do you think is that when you're out playing live, right? You're you're on the road, right? And everybody's connected online. Everyone's on their phones. They're watching stuff. So if you're an artist out playing live, you're and and you might be and you might I might be a fan of that artist. I'm seeing them like they're posting here. I'm on stage here. I'm in the tour van. I'm doing you know. It's all this kind of like great content to be kind of be sharing and talking about stuff and tweeting and having conversations. Do you think that is maybe a big part of what actually puts the artist in the face of fans? And or compared to how much is actually I went to a show and heard somebody and now I'm going to go home and listen to them on Spotify. Because you know, even if you're touring and you're doing a thousand pack, doing a thousand person show, and you do ten shows, that's ten thousand people, right? But if you're doing well, you know, you want to be accessing, hitting up like hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. So, how much do you think it is? It, it is that is a that is a part of it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. But for, for me, it, if if I'm going to a a club on Saturday and I'm seeing. Uh, um, Snaps playing on a on a club on Saturday. The days before Saturday, I would you know warm up. I, I would listen to his newest records. I would listen to my favorite records of his and and all that stuff. So it's all gaining for the artist. Mm. And but I get your point. It's not that okay. You play in front of thousand people and then it's just directly converted to streams on on, on Spotify. Uh, the content being out there is also super important. There's something happen happening all the time on, on and and people his fans following his career they can see stuff mm. are happening and they, shit i want i wanted to be at that show because it looks crazy and all that stuff mm. but but you also it's all about the music when when it all comes to uh, it's all yeah. about the music it's all about the music that's it's where it starts and it where it stops in my opinion, also in electronic music mm. and, and in, in, in the electronic scene, a big part of promoting a record is also sending it to your fellow DJs. So they're playing it live and, and maybe somebody is standing there at uh, EDC Las Vegas and just mm. listening to Chesto playing a crazy song and they're just like, what the fuck is that? Shazamming it. Oh shit. It's a snap song. Mm. Okay. I'll, I'll have to check him out. I mean, it's all, it's, it's all, it's all. Yeah, I can see that other people playing your music, if everybody's not out playing, it's kind of affecting everybody, not yeah. just you as an artist. So, yeah. so the reason why I've asked that, you know, the reason why I asked that question is because the, you know, we are in this, in this COVID environment that, in, that has affected the music industry and it's affected live shows. And, you know, what are, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of what are some ways that artists now can still try and, if you've got a single out or an album, try and at least create those kind of relationships and experiences, you know, and I mean, I know people have tried doing the kind of, you know, live streaming, but, you know, is it, I think you brought up a great point before a show, people are thinking about their artist, they're listening to it. They'll be saying, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go see this artist, I'm here. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and they might play the music or something. And it's, you know, are there ways that artists can still kind of create that experience without live shows? Um, yeah, I mean, have, have you, have you with any of your artists, had those conversations on what you can kind of do to create that connection in a, in a world where there aren't live shows? 
Yeah, definitely. We've been talking about that for, uh, I mean, eight months um, or, or longer for Snaps because he, he's an international touring artist. So, so his uh, live shows were starting to get locked down in January, at least the shows in Asia. Um, we haven't figured out how to do it. And, and I think electronic music is especially suffering because... I mean, if you're an indie band, you can play a, a, a great show in front of a seated crowd, but electronic music in front of a seated crowd or a drive-in electronic show, it's not, it's, it's just not the same. Mm. You don't have the energy. And, and when I see Snaps playing live, it's, it's, the, um, it's the energy between the crowd and him. That's the special uh, thing with that concert experience. Mm. And and uh, how do you create that without being in the same room? And without it's being, difficult. Yeah, I I don't have the answer. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, it's it's that's um, big big challenge, big challenge right now. So um, just before we started this as well, you were talking about our live shows with bands. Um, which has also now got its challenges. So you mentioned about seated uh, concerts. So how, like, what are you, what are you doing with your bands now to kind of um, address that issue and, and I guess talk through what the new challenges are around that? Yeah, I mean, um, the challenge right now is that the when you go into a venue, you have a production costs and all that, and they're not they're not smaller than, than normal. And, and the capacity is, is halved or sometimes it's just a, a third of the capacity uh, you, you, tickets you can sell. So you have to, the way to sell more uh, tickets in, in Denmark right now, you can, be, you can sell 500 tickets, um, but you want to reach a thousand tickets or 1,500 tickets. You need to play two shows at one day or three shows at one day, and then <laughs> it's it's exhausting because because as a band you don't wanna you wanna play a great show because it's five hundred of your fans sitting there, so you need to you need to um, play a great show, so you can't just play a half-ass show. Or if you do that, you you you're paying the bill because uh, they won't buy a new ticket for your show. So you have to perform 100%. And that's just tough if you play a, a 90 minutes show and you have to yeah, go sell the merch after the show and then take a break, to eat some food and then play 90 minutes again. It's, it's crazy. Would, would you say, and that, that is extremely tough on the band, like you said, and, and doing that three times would be even harder. Yeah. What is, what's your experience, what's your feeling on the actual experience of the band playing and people sitting down? Um, do you, is, is it still a viable thing? Do you think fans are still like, you know what, I, I, had a, I, I went out, I had a good time. I know I couldn't mosh at the front, but I was sitting and I enjoyed it. Do you think it's, do you think it's a viable experience? Yeah, it, it, it depends on what, what band we're talking. Uh, some of the bands I represent are doing it brilliant. And, and actually they are, they're gaining more um, from the shows because when people are, are seated, they shut up. They, if, if they stand up, buy a beer, they go to the bar, they talk and blah, blah, blah. blah. But if you're, if, if you're seated, they, they're, it's, it's just so quiet. So if you're a band that really needs uh, yeah, a quiet room and to, to um, create the, the magical moments, it's it's perfect. Mm, more like a uh, when you go to see a like a theatrical performance or something. Everyone's sitting yeah. down. No yeah. one's talking when the when the when the act comes on. Yeah. So I guess it's it's more suited for I you know if you're a singer songwriter and you're doing a a ballad on a piano and just your voice, it's yeah. going to be perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. But I've also seen the um, bands who are suffering because they. Normally they put on a great show and uh, they have a, a big production and, and it's all flashy and, uh, and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And now they, they are cutting their own production costs to make it uh, viable to, to play live. 
So they bring out an acoustic show, but people are not, they're not fan of you because of that. Mm. So they get something, they, they bought a ticket for one show, but they get another show. Sometimes it's good, but if you're not completely great at, at, at that setup and, and then you're, uh, yeah, then it's not, it's not your, it's not an advantage. It's, 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 uh, it's bad. bad Sanitizing your fans for a, uh, yeah. yeah. And you have to think that hopefully there's a time after COVID-19, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, um, if, and you have to sell tickets after that. So you have to, uh, you, you can't just charge a, a massive uh, a ticket price for a, for a, a lousy show. Because mm -hmm. then people, are, uh, the, the, when you've seen a band, if it's a great show, you want to go see them again. But if it's a nah show and, and the ticket were way too expensive, you don't really want to see it again. You're like only as good as your last show. Yeah. If it's rubbish, that's it. You're not going to go unless somebody else goes and sees a new show that's good. And yeah. they go, oh, no, no, it's good. It's, it's all right. You should go check it out. And they're like, oh, I don't know. It was all acoustic last time. Rubbish. Yeah, exactly. So, so you really have to be careful and you really have to think all these perspective and uh, it's it's super difficult because at the same time you also want to be on the road and, and just get some income and and uh, that's super important as well of course but yeah it's it's really there's a lot of um there's a lot of really difficult decisions at the moment mm. okay. yeah it is tough um, you co-manage Riotville Records as well with, uh, and that's with the collaboration with uh, Sarah 79. Um, what, in what capacity do you help with managing the label? Yeah, I mean, uh, Riotville Records uh, is uh, Snav's label and basically Snav's and I started it together. Um, and so, so we run it together, and I, I basically just do all the, the admin, admin <laughs> administration business work. side. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, Snaps, he's doing all the creative stuff. So he's he's the one, uh, of, of course, listening to the music and and A and Ring, uh, and he's also the one who's all, all the content. He he's the one. Mm -hmm. We have a guy creating it, but but he's the one directing it, and uh, and mm. yeah, all, all the creative aspects. Are, are you seeing? Are you finding it's more common to see managers helping out with artists running their own indie labels? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We were doing that with the uh, more of the people, uh, more of the bands we represent as management. Uh, and they, the they're releasing on their own because. If you're a new act, the, the, the deals from major labels or uh, you, you, you get offered are so bad. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you're uh, signing away your masters for, for life. And uh, you get a small budget for recording it and it's just not worth it. Mm. You, you, and and uh, as I see it, and, and it's just how I see it. Major labels are really great at taking a, 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 an artist from 60% to 100%, but from 0% to 60%, they can't do shit. Mm. They're, they're, they're set up uh, are way too heavy. They, they don't have the time to think creative because they <laughs> they're so busy. Everybody's working at a major label. They have way too much, way too many artists, and and it it they're just super busy, so they can't they don't have the time to be creative. Mm. At least that's what I experience. No, I, I agree. Maybe I'm wrong, but 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 that's that's how I see it. So often I I uh, recommend new bands to um, do it yourself, because when you do it yourself, you also learn a lot about how is it all how is it all working 
Mm. How is it working with the Spotify playlist? And how is it working to pitch on Spotify? And how is it working on, on sending your music to a, a, a pitchfork or whatever it is and, and to the radio and, 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 and all that stuff. So, so, and, and, and I think that's really, it's really important for the artist to know all that stuff because mm. the artist who, who is not in, in, in the loop on how stuff works, they, they just think, okay, it's, everything is done by itself, but it's actually hard work. So, so when the artists release on their own, they, they know about what, what's behind releasing music. Mm, they have a bit more of respect for the industry as well in some ways and the people involved exactly they yeah. see it. I, yeah. I mean I agree I think majors are great they're, they are they can put the they put petrol on the fire you yeah. know but you've got to have a really good fire burning already and then yeah. they can amplify it and and I, I mean I, I agree it's I, I say now the best thing you can do as an artist is is yeah just set up your label or release on your own label and and show that you are something because that's the other thing about majors as well they, there's so many people doing that. That's the way they pick. They'll go like, well, what have you already done yourself? And if yeah. you haven't done anything, they're like, well, there's all these other guys that have got great music and they've done it themselves. They know how to get the ball rolling. They understand their audience. It's going to be so much easier for them to work with them. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think those, those days of being plucked from obscurity and then becoming famous overnight just doesn't happen. I, I think that, I think that happens if you're under 17 years old 17, 18, maybe that can, that, that happens. Majors will come and get you young and develop you. And, and, you know, but apart from that, yeah, you just got to set it up yourself. And, and just, uh, when, when you say, say this, I, I, um, it reminds me of that. I saw that <laughs> I was so embarrassed that universal Denmark, they, they put up a commercial that a, a competition on TikTok. Oh yeah. You can do a TikTok video and the best, TikTok video wins a record deal. Like fucking hell, you're aiming for kids. You're aiming for small kids who not know what, what they walk into. Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. It's very predatory. Win a record deal because of a TikTok video. That's what it's become. <laughs> I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, to me, to me, that's just, it's just weird. It's just, yeah, yeah, we're not going to be getting the greatest uh, the greatest musicians coming through uh, a campaign like that um, because they're just one of the numbers. What they're going to do as well, they're going to look at the TikTok video, they're going to look at the who the TikTok person is, and then just go how many followers they got. Yeah, if they've got, if they've got three million followers, they'll be like, "Well, cool, we'll just write a record for them." There's three hundred three million people that are going to buy it, <laughs> making money. Yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean, we're talking, uh, as we're talking about kind of, uh, you know, peop uh, people earlier on in their career. Um, if we, uh, as a book from your booking agent point of view, with your booking agent um, hat on, what would you recommend artists do early on in their career if they do want to eventually secure a booking agent? Um... What are you looking for? What are you like? Hey, this is a no-brainer. I'm totally going to pick them up and put them on. I'm going to, you know, pick them up for as a booking agent. Yeah, I always want to see them play live um, to to secure that they are great live. Because if you're a shitty band live, it's it's difficult for a booking agent to uh, to sell it. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so so that's super important. You have to. Uh, rehearse and be great at, at uh, performing live then I would always uh, if I was a band I would look at the my favorite bands look at their Facebook pages because often their booking agents are uh, in the information or about section just look at them and uh, contact that those agents because if they represent a band that you really like or a DJ that you really like then they probably understand the genre and then they probably understand the music that you are creating. And, and what, and then if they were like, okay, great. I, I'm, I've got my band, we've rehearsed, we've done a couple of shows locally. We feel really tight. I'm going to, I see you manage a band that I, I, that we're very similar to. I'm sitting in my front of my computer. I'm going to send you an email. 
Like what, what am I going to write in the email that's going to make you take notice and give a reply? When, when there's a reason why I should listen to the band, I always listen to the band. Mm -hmm. That could be that we remind you of, or we sound a bit like, or we have wrote this email to you because you rep represent this band and blah, blah, blah. I mean, make, make it personal, make it, uh, sometimes you receive an email and you can't just delete it because it's directed uh, to you and you need to, you need to read it. You need to answer it. Mm -hmm. But often, and that's 90% of the times, it's just a email that could be sent to everybody mm -hmm. and you just not clicking on it. Yeah. Keep it personal. I mean, we say the same thing, whether even if you want to secure uh, a feature in a publication or something, find the editor, find their name. Why should they listen to the song? Because the editor has written about this other artist that's similar to them. It's yeah. just keeping it personal. Yeah. And, and as always, a, I think it's, it's when you're a new band, you have to, you have to think about why, why is it that you want a booking agent? Sometimes the band's just contacting booking agents because, well, all the other bands have a booking agent, but why do you need a booking agent? I mean, why do you need a record label? You need to ask yourself these questions, but often it's just an autopilot and they just do stuff because they think that they are supposed to do it. Rather than thinking. If you have a, often it's the bass player in the band <laughs> who, who uh, is good at writing emails. Why, why isn't he just putting on some shows mm. you can do it you can you can write the venues yourself you can write a an, another band hey can we open for you on, on saturday you're playing a, a show in that venue can we open for you or write the venue can we open for that band because we we sound a bit like it and we're young we're fresh we have a lot of friends who come you know stuff like that mm. you can do it yourself yeah and let's say um and I guess leading back, why would you need a booking agent? And you could say, we've been doing it ourselves, but the bass player is typing out so many emails, he can't play his bass anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, so we need somebody because we've got an album coming out in a month and we've got 20 shows. We need somebody to help us organize those 20 shows. You're going to go, great, let's have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. A band coming in, so yeah, I need a booking agent. Yeah, but when is your record coming out? I don't know. Okay, yeah. but, 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 but do you have some music? Yeah, I have some demos. Yeah, but okay, but okay, but then you're it's premature. Mm. It sort of goes back to what you're saying about uh, releasing music as well. You really need to be doing it yourself and being proactive, like you know, like releasing music, putting on your own shows as well. Yeah, and and if you you know, if you're putting on a, what's going to, if someone does put on a great show, what is going to, you know, and you go along and check them out, like what, are, what, what is important for you to see that they just, that they're just a tight band? Like, um, and, and I guess, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is how am I going to get you to come and see my show? Let's say you say, Hey, I sound like this band and I want you to come down and see it. Is it just literally, Hey, we're a tight show. We sound like this we're playing near you. Can you come down and see us? And, and that's yeah. It. Yeah. And, and that's it. And then if, if I have time, I'll, I'll go see as many shows as possible. Cause I always on the lookout for, for new bands and, and uh, yeah, but it's, it's uh, it, it can be different. Um, how do you say that? It can be different stuff that turns me on. It can be that you're just, really tight playing t really tight or it, it can be the energy or it could be the lyrical content or uh, i mean it can, it can be everything it, it's it's not i'm just i'm not looking for one thing but i'm always looking for for something that okay i can see a perspective i can see what what should i do with this band and how can i how could i uh, help the band and what should be the next move and what which festivals should they go for and, and uh, um, where, where can they play? I, I, I need to see the perspective in, in a band. 
while we're sort of talking about this as well, what other rookie mistakes or common problems do you see over and over again? From yeah, I think the the most common mistake is that you're not ready. Um, you think you're ready, but you you're not, and then you're missing your chance, basically. And One of the men that I uh, represent uh, and did a show with uh, last night uh, called Blau Blume. They had a massive uh, hype in, in UK in the beginning. So we went over to, to UK and uh, played some shows uh, at all the cool places. And for the first, the first show at uh, Birthdays in Dalton, it's not there anymore, but unfortunately a great great venue yeah, but, i do like birthdays in dalston it's a shame it's not there anymore i think it's just yeah. a burger joint or something now exactly yeah but the venue was in in the in the basement and yeah. super cool and uh, i mean all the big labels were there but the band were ready they played a great show but but their songs were not ready and what I mean, were they just not polished enough for for yeah. the, for the majors it was more too 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 indie do you think yeah but all the cool uk indie labels were there too but we were we were just not geared for it and then they we went over to london and played a, a show at i guess it was sea bright arms or or yep. old blue last and all that stuff and every time we went over there fewer people came so 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 they we should just have waited. But when you say you weren't ready, like what specifically, if you've got the music there and you've played it, like what was that missing element that you'd say, like what made it not ready? Um, they, they put out some songs on SoundCloud that started the hype, mm. but we didn't have the next songs to, to follow up. Gotcha. So it wasn't like, oh, this is our next single and there's a music video and it's dropping yeah. next week. And yeah. then everyone's like, oh, wow, 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 wow. And then the labels are like, oh, hey, we should get involved with this. Like, Yeah, but but if you don't have the next move, you put, there's, there's also a common mistake. It's just bands put out a song. It, it gets some hype. It, it gets them playing some shows and then they forget to write the next song. song and then they, they, it's, they if you're if you're getting the momentum and the hype, you have to just be on it and, and continue and continue and continue. And if you can't do that, you, you, your momentum and hype that will disappear. Mm. It's, uh, I, I mean, I always say that you want to release a new song every three months at the beginning of your career at minimum. If you're just doing that, you know, and, and it's good music, obviously not just putting out music to put out music that that's the, almost the, the single best thing you can do for your career in the first couple of years, constantly having something out, constantly having something to talk about. Um, but you're right, because it's, it's sort of what was Damien Key saying the other day. Um, otherwise, it's like a, a boxing fight. You just throw in one punch. There's still another 12 rounds to go. You know, yeah. you need to be doing one and then another and then another and then another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great way to see it because yeah, no, that's I can't. what it's about. Yeah, definitely. You can't just, uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, that's key. And and that's really like just thinking. Yeah, thinking long term. You've got to always be thinking long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nabs, for for instance, he just put on between twelve and twenty uh, songs per year for the. It was ever since I started working with him. Mm. He's just been releasing music constantly. And there's no excuse not to as well. Like, you know, the, the technology is so cheap. You can record at home on a laptop. Like, there's not really any excuse as well, like, to not put out good quality music. Um, yeah, consistently. And I think that's the same whether you're producing as an electronic artist or a band as well. Um, yeah. So... Um, going on to some like music trends um, and, I, and I guess this will sort of be drawing from your experiences of um, specifically with like uh, record sales um, across um, say any of the labels you manage or artists. 
Where are you finding royalties are coming from, from the major platforms? Like, you know, are you, uh, mostly from Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Tidal? Like, which ones do you think are working well? Yeah, right now it's Spotify. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's really the, that's just the biggest income. Mm. And uh, that's, I mean, it's great. <laughs> that's great. But I would say it's, uh, it would be nice if there were more uh, services with a bigger audience and, and mm. where that, that feeds, the, feeds the artists. Do, do you have much experience? Do you sell any stuff um, directly to fans, like doing merch and things through websites? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I was only thinking uh, snaps when I answered that question, but, but the bands, they, they can sell a lot of vinyls, indie bands. Um, so so the, the physical uh, market is still there, but it's, it's, it's limited. And is that limited just by the fact that you, you know, if you only order 300 vinyl, you can only sell 300 vinyl. Yeah. And you, and you, and, and it's, it's mainly when you play live. I mean, streaming is constantly that's mm. day and night and all the time and you don't have to do anything to, to get a stream. Yeah. But you, but would you say though, with, with your merchandise, do you, uh, you know, you obviously get to keep a greater share of it, but are, much, are many people buying physical online and getting it delivered to them over just buying it at shows? I think they buy most of it at shows. Right. And, what, and what's selling mostly at shows at the moment? What items? Yeah, like vinyl, T-shirts. Yeah, but, yeah, both. I think right now uh, they, they, the, the people who've been to a show, they're really eager to support the artist because everybody knows that the the music uh, artists are, are struggling so they just buy whatever there is in the merch stand right now if there is a mask they'll buy that and whatever it is they, they'll they will buy it right you, you, the merch stands are really uh popular especially if the artist goes down to the merch stand after the show then you can sell a lot of merch because people feel that they support the artist directly mm. when they buy something in physically. Yeah. And the artist is standing there having a conversation with them. Exactly. And you the artist is like them directly. Yeah. Are you going to buy my vinyl now? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to a web shop, it feels like, okay, it's just buying a whatever. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not the direct support. You, you, you don't get that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering if people will get like, hey, we're doing a live, you know, we're doing a live Q&A and, and releasing some new merch this Friday live on Facebook. Like, I wonder how many people would be, you know, they're tuned in and then you're like, hey, guys, so here's the vinyl. Who wants a copy? Click below. Because, you you know, like, I wonder if something like that would work because you're right. It is that it's that personal thing. Yeah. I, I think that depends on which artist it is and, and what, what their what their fans what, what kind of fans it is they have. But mm. uh, yes I just think it's weird with the the digital. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nothing beats being live. Um going back to um Spotify what have you been what what have you been finding works for getting on Spotify playlists? Because getting on playlists now is so sort of essential. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I think it's a jungle. I, and and, and uh, it seems like they're changing their algorithms and uh, they're changing the pitch system and they're changing everything constantly. So it's it's really difficult to, to figure out. But it feels like that you never should buy uh, a streaming campaign that's a that's a no-go because that that will ruin your algorithms mm -hmm. it's, it's super important that that um, it's natural so that you are, are related to the, the the right other acts that sounds like you because mm -hmm. i think that's all I, I mean for the spotify radio thing it's 
you should be directed to when the when the audience is listening to a similar artist that's mm-hmm. like you. And but if if you end up at a whatever uh, playlist that you buy your way into, you you end up with a random random songs and 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 you get affiliated with the random songs and i think that's bad for your for mm. your profile on, on spotify have have you heard of any artists that you know um tried buying some playlist campaigns and it really backfired like long term for them no i, I haven't uh, talked to, to artists who who done that but uh, i've seen examples on on uh, um from from articles and, and and stuff like that um where where yeah it's not it's not it's not working it's just not working i think it's it's about getting followers into your spotify so uh Snapsy has a relative big amount of followers in there so that means every time he releases music it goes out to their release radar and discover weekly and all that stuff. And it's all triggering these algorithms. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I don't think you can crack the system and, and figure no. out how, how to work. I, I complete, I completely agree. And it, and it really, I, I, I hate to think of how much money some of these playlist companies, because I see them come up on my Instagram feed. You probably see them as well, because we both work yeah. in the music industry. And it's like, get guaranteed plays. And, and it's like, oh, it's just, it's how many artists must just get sucked into that. And they're just, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot before they've even started. And I imagine as well, Spotify is a smart company, you know, they've got, they're all on data. I imagine that there'll be these blacklists and they'll just be like, well, you're an artist that's paid something. Like you're already wrecking your future, um, your future algorithms because you'll just get on a blacklist. You know, it's the same as you know, buying buying links and stuff on Google. It's the same thing, isn't it? You just you yeah. shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and people are often the the new upcoming artists. They don't understand why one of the songs are getting on a massive playlist and get a lot of streams and then the next song is not in the playlist and they they don't get it but uh, and it's i don't get it uh, either it's just uh, it, sometimes it feels like it's it's a roulette sometimes you win sometimes you don't and uh, it's just uh, weird but you have to and that's a mistake a lot of people are, are, are making but you have to understand the value of the streams Mm. so if you end up on all these uh, playlists uh, gaming playlist or coffee playlist or uh, whatever it is h&m store playlist all that stuff those plays you gain from from those playlists they're not worth the same as a, a play where a fan is typing in your artist name and clicking on your artist page and listening to your music from there. That's dedicated fans. And that those are the fans who are buying a, a ticket to your show and buying some of your merch and buying the vinyl and etc. Mm. The fan who's coming back. But the stream you, you gain from a playlist where you are at whatever random, um, between a lot of random songs, that's... It's a stream, yeah. And in Spotify, it looks like it, one stream is one stream, but... Not all streams are equal. Yeah, but it is when you look at it and when you look at the numbers, but when you look at it behind the, the numbers, who is the people who are streaming your music? Mm. So you have, a, you have a band who maybe uh, their top song in Spotify have streamed a million times. But if... And then compared to an artist who have millions of millions of millions of streams, then maybe the, the band with, with the top song is one million stream, they can sell way more uh, concert tickets than, uh, than the other act who's streaming a lot. So you can't just look at it and see, okay, they're streaming, they're successful. You can't just look at it. It's too simple to look at it at that way. And a lot of people are looking at streaming numbers and, and think that, okay, they're streaming a lot. Um, a lot of festivals are, are using that parameter. Parametric. 
yeah, it's 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 wrong. Mm. It's it's just one factor, but there's it's like, it's like how our agents used to just look at how many Facebook followers you got like five yeah. years ago, and you could just buy Facebook followers and then get on big festivals, but then you know there'd be no one really at the stage, and they'd be like, why is there no one here? But they're really popular on Facebook. This is before everyone knew you could kind of like you know essentially buy followers. I mean, yeah. I I always say you hey, should. Can I, can I can I say one thing? Sorry. Yeah. But Snaps, he played a festival and the billing on the poster were dictated about how many followers on Instagram. And I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? So you, your billing is, is from how many followers on Instagram. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Mm. It's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very wrong. The, I mean, with Spotify as well, I, I always say to my artists that you you need to look at Spotify as a advertising, like as a medium of sharing your music. Like it's, it's just another platform for sharing music, just like YouTube is, just like SoundCloud is. Um, and, and the bonus is if you get lots of followers on there, then you, know, you, can, make, you can get paid for it. You can get paid pretty well if you get into the millions of streams. Um, but it should be a way to just build up your followers. Like just be focused on getting people engaged with you on Spotify, following you on Spotify um, and, and use, because if people are listening to you on Spotify all the time, when you go to do a show, you know, then, you know, you've got fans that are going to come along because they've been listening to you on Spotify, which is the most common platform people use for listening rather than just yeah. like, I'm trying to get lots of numbers because I'm trying to make money on Spotify. That's, just, it's not the way to use it. You're going to make money off, you know, like you said, playing live shows, showing your, uh, selling your merch. Um, yeah, exactly. So and, and I, that's my, that's, that's the thing that annoys me the most at the moment. Cause, cause Spotify, as you say, is the main service right now. It's where people are listening to music and we, we really need, or I really miss that you could uh, get a get some hype on Beatport or, or SoundCloud and and other 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 platforms. Mm. It's it's there's too much focus on Spotify. If there were other platforms where you could could break or could could have success, it would ease up a bit. Mm. People were not just looking at Spotify. People would would consider. Uh, people would understand. Okay, so there's more. There's more perspective. There's more. Uh, like, well, maybe that's what Universal Denmark thought when they did the TikTok ad. <laughs> <laughs> Where else can we go? What about TikTok? But yeah, <laughs> I I um. Yeah, it, it, it is. I don't really know how the future is going to change either, but it is kind of, uh, you do have to sleep with the beast at the moment um, and make the most of it, really. Um, yeah. But always know it, you know, it's it's great at the moment, but it won't be there forever and do the best that you can. Um, when it comes to just talking a little bit about other sort of like promotion stuff, uh, blogs, do you think they're still relevant these days? I, it's not as important uh, as it was for five years, 10 years ago, but it's, it's still, it's still important. Hmm. But it's Public, just, pub, when I say blogs as well, I, I should truly say publications, blogs and publications. Yeah, but it is important. And I, I think it's, yeah, 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 it is important, but it's, it's not, I mean, how many people are actually reading that stuff? If you get on, on uh, this song is sick, how many people are actually reading and, and clicking through and, and all that stuff? I don't know. But yeah. I, it's think it's, I think it's a good way as a stepping stone because you can say, hey, you can share it online to your fans. Hey, we've just got a review on this song is sick, which is great. It's like another talking point. And then when you go to say speak you know if you're like looking at a band and they're like oh hey we've had a whole lot of features on blogs and publications you're like okay you know like yeah. you've got more than what somebody who hasn't done that um okay yeah that's interesting uh, yeah and, and, and it's yeah it's super great and it's important but it's not 
you can't just rely on that alone. It's mm. just that's just one uh, thing. Mm. Do you, when it comes to paid advertising, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads, do you, do you, uh, do you, do you use that much? Do you have much experience or is that you leave that to somebody else? Yeah. I hate that stuff. You just, it feels like you're paying, putting money in a black hole. Um, you don't know what you get for the money. And, uh, I also, I often have the feeling that if you put money in it, then when you post next time, you need to put money in it because uh, they figure out that if you they just kill your algorithm, you put money in. Ah, uh, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like they've gone, oh, you've got money, cool. We'll just like make sure you share it. <laughs> yeah. Do you um when it comes to PR companies, um, and I guess both for promoting the uh, a band's release or a show, um, do you guys do your PR in house or do you work with external companies? uh both both again depends on 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 what genre and 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 what what the territories and and what the targets are um sometimes if if it's a danish artist who who uh, denmark is a really small <laughs> country and a small market and there is uh, basically five emails you need to to write but if, if you're aiming for Scandinavia or for UK or for yeah bigger markets, you, you need, uh, I, th- I reckon you need a, a real publicist to, to work your stuff. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, across the board, just what, you know, we were talking about TikTok and stuff. What, where, where are you finding at the moment for your artists, they're getting the best um, feedback or interactions with their fans, which platforms are working for your bands? Live shows. <laughs> <laughs> Can tell you're not the biggest fan of social media, are you? <laughs> Have you heard this new app? It's called Live Shows. <laughs> it's amazing. You don't even need your phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do. I feel that okay, it's been a trend and it's, it's still a trend that, okay, your fans, you should bring your fans into the studio. You should bring them with you. They need to see what, what you're eating for breakfast. They need to blah, 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 blah. I just miss the mysterious about being a fan of an artist. Mm. We do, well, I don't know much about them and you want to search the internet and search some articles and you, you actually want to read an interview because you want to learn about the artist. Mm. But right now you're just getting, it's just this fast food, uh, fast food industry where you just get everything just mm. smashed up in, in your face and you don't, you don't get the chance to be um, curious and explore the stuff on your own. Just get it all stuffed in your face and and maybe it's just me but i'm getting uh, sick and tired of it and i i, I it's not I, I agree and like a little bit of mystery like sure share some stuff with your fans but don't just show them all your cards no it's you're not a you're not a you're not a star if you're showing them everything mm. what what is there to be fan of mm. if you know everything you see everything you you, it's like you're, well, it's the same way you, when you share stuff that you normally just would share with your friends, then you become f- more friends with your fans than they became, they're fans of you. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't think it's liable. I don't think it's the, in the long run, I don't think that's the way. I think it's the, I, it's a pop music way. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, I, I don't represent that many pop stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's where it works. Yeah. If, you're, if you're 20 years old and you're a young heartthrob girl or boy, it works, you know, like, this is what I'm having for breakfast. Oh, my God. And, like, all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, the problem with me is that I'm not representing them, so I don't. Yeah. But, it, but, but yeah but it, it's hard because you know you you do even if you're representing a more um alternative band or music 
at the same time, you want that alternative band to be popular within its, within its niche, you know, mm-hmm. so you can sell shows and, and sell records as well. It's, it's a harder balance. Um, I, just, I just wonder if you go completely opposite strategy and just don't have any social media. So the only way people can figure out something about you is talking about it, talking to people who know something. So it's the mouth to mouth. You've got to have some pretty incredible music for that to work though. <laughs> yeah, You've got to have music where you're like, oh my God, what is this? I want to hear more. And yeah. then it's like ID and you're like, how do I find out? Like, And you're on some mission. But yeah, yeah if, you, if you're the more like I guess uh, a mid-level artist, good music and you can have a career, but it's not like, you know, breaking the mold. Yeah. You have to, I think you then have to have a little bit more of that balance. Um, the game. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Um, anything for, anything for the future for you? Like, is it more of the same as any, any artists we should keep an eye out for? Um, I, I represent this Swedish girl and, and she's, I think it's, it's pretty funny cause she, she, it's, um, she's super alternative, lo-fi, uh, alternative pop music, but she has a, a YouTube channel with, uh, 300,000 subscribers cause she did some covers. And which is also a common way to, to, to build. But it's just funny with her being what I hate, but, but she's not that she's not talking to her fans. She's super um, closed. It's just funny that she's super alternative, but she's in that platform, uh, a, a, a YouTube star. Mm. Super alternative. Quarantima is her name. She's she's cool. She's dope, and and I'm really eager about how that will develop and how we, yeah, will, yeah, what we will see in the future. Quarantina, is it? Quarantima. 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 You heard it first. Um, Awesome. Well, but but great talk. Um, Yeah. It's always nice to talk about all these challenging and very challenging at the moment as well yeah yeah. um yeah awesome um thank you very much soren thank you nick